0: Hey everyone, we just had an extraordinary lecture that I'm sure you're going to enjoy. A lot of interesting things. One question that we answer is, how come the great sages end up having children that are also great sages, when we know that Torah is not something that you can inherit, you could only acquire it through toil? At the same token, reincarnation, is it something that affects your day-to-day life? Well, it does, a lot more than you know. At the same token, there are people like Louis Farrakhan that tell his victims or his followers that... They are the victims of society. They're uh, criminals, they're losers, they're drug addicts, they're rapists, and all types of other crimes that he says about them, his own followers, because of society, because of Hollywood, because of the Jewish people. Is there any truth to that, or is it really just all your fault? Is it my fault? Whose fault is it? We're going to answer that too. We're going to answer the lies, we're going to address the truth, learn it, acquire it, enjoy it, and make sure to share it. we're back here on our Tuesday night uh, this series is about uh, Jewish intimacy the holiness of uh, Jewish intimacy uh, as we've learned in the first uh, 16 lectures by the uh, teachings of the Rambans uh, written about 750 years ago intimacy can be uh, a whole new world of its own that could allow a person to reach the highest level of, of holiness uh, rather than the highest levels of impurity and uh, animalistic uh, behavior. Uh, so tonight's shiur Be'zot Hashem, is going to take us to the next uh, stage, which uh, I think is certainly going to enlighten quite a few people. Uh, tonight's shoe is for the Refuash Lema of Rabbanit Sarah uh, Bat Anat, Rabbi Ephraim Ben Shulamit, Rabbanit Levana Bat Sarah, Avimori. David Ben-Nesriah, Yimimorati Doris bat Zora, and uh, all of Am Yisrael and all the Righteous Noahis that continue to support us, continue to watch our lectures, very much appreciated for everybody that's out there. Uh, also to remind you, the Tikkun uh the, Brit, uh, the uh, time frame as far as the Tikkun uh ends this week. Uh, this is the most auspicious time for a person to do tshuva, for do, to do the repentance, Uh, for uh, any immorality uh, sins that they've made in their life, whether it be uh, homosexuality, wasting seed, adultery, and so on and so forth, this is the time to do the Tikkunim. Anyone that wants to learn more about it, go to the uh, website tikkunabrit.live. It'll be on the screen when you see this tomorrow. Uh, but uh, also on the uh, description you'll see that uh, the website to go to and learn more about how to do tikkunim again there are many different things that uh, the Torah teaches one of the most critical parts of uh, elevating yourself to be a servant of Hashem to be a servant of the one and only God of Israel is to purify yourself by removing all of the sins which is the most uh, first and foremost important thing is to stop the sins After that, after stopping the sins, a person can elevate themselves further by helping other people do tshuva, doing what's called tikkunim, and so on and so forth. Of course, none of this is possible without learning Torah on a regular basis. Now, when it comes to intimacy uh, and what we've learned already in the first 16 lectures of this extraordinary series, we've learned all different aspects of the Torah. We've learned some of the basics from the chumash. We've learned some of the uh, additional behind-the-scenes from the midrash and the gemara. We've even learned, delved into some uh, very uh, high-level Kabbalah uh, from the Zohar Kadosh and other uh, Sfarim uh, of the Kedushim. Tonight is going to be a mix of all of that, but it's going to be something that, although some of you may not feel that this is necessarily relevant to you, it is still going to be uh, uh, intellectually stimulating at the very least. And I think even. Uh, uh, elevating on a uh, spiritual level. Uh, For those of you that uh, like to do Kyiv and want to help other people do chuvain and improve their lives, because one of the things that I think we could all agree on is that the immorality in the world has gone to such a point where people have lost their senses of uh, uh, right or wrong, you know, instead of hiding uh, some of their defects, some of their, uh, uh, you know, immoral lustful desires strange behaviors people actually celebrate it uh, as this one guy uh, today desecrated the name of God in uh, one of the worst possible ways by simply telling people that uh, although he claims to be religious has a rabbi uh, for a father grew up in a very religious home he's one of the political figures uh, in the uh, in Israel this uh, young man named Yair Sharki announced that he likes uh, uh he loves boys and he loves god meaning that he's religious but also homosexual at the same time of course the two uh contradict each other they're antithetical to each other but needless to say this person decided that he needs to make this lgbtq announcement to the world uh as many other people are doing in the uh in recent years where for whatever reason or another it's not only something that uh uh, it's not something new homosexuality is not a new thing uh you know it's something that existed since the time of noah and of course we know what the torah says about it uh but the key is that what we've seen as far as the human ment- uh psychology uh change in recent years is that while in the past this type of behavior was hidden this type of behavior uh, was something that, uh, you know, people uh, simply kept to themselves, kept to their uh, their own privacy, whatever they desired or didn't desire, they kept to themselves. In today's world, we see people actually celebrated, and in fact, trying as hard as possible to turn this into the normalcy, the new normalcy of the world, uh, where uh, this is celebrated. And it's relatively strange, because if I were to tell you uh, that I have a, uh, let's say, uh, I don't know, and I don't, I'm not talking, I'm just giving you an example instead Instead of you, uh, you know, I have a uh, fetish to eat cockroaches, okay? Uh, now, if I made an announcement, breaking news, Rabbi Yaron Reuven likes to eat cockroaches. Now, anyone out there that would celebrate and say high five to you rabbi you're the best we love cockroaches too or even if we don't good for you for announcing it now you would be declaring yourself a mentally sick person why because just because i have some type of defect in my mind and i decide that i have a fetish for cockroaches or to looking at people's toes or uh, just deciding to uh, walk aimlessly in the, same, uh, in, in the same room in a circle until I find a corner. I mean, it, just because I have a mental defect doesn't necessarily mean that you need to celebrate with me. By celebrating with me, by saying that, oh, this is great, good for you, you're in essence telling me that you're also mentally sick. Now, this, unfortunately, is understood when I speak. I'm sure that even the people that cannot stand me understand everything I just said. But yet, in the world today, we have people declaring what they do in their private homes, and whatever they decide to do in their own privacy, and they feel the need to announce this to the world. And instead of the world frowning upon this and saying, listen, why do I care that you like to eat cockroaches? I don't care about cockroaches. Why do I care that you like to look at toes? I don't care about toes why do I care that you like to walk around in a round room looking for a corner beat yourself up for like I don't care what why do I care why do you need to make a press release letting the world know that you're crazy and you even expect us to give you a high five why now this is understood well understood by everyone that's watching this now or forever but yet today we have made this a new normal where anytime somebody likes to eat cockroaches or any other strange behavior that's against humanity they make an announcement and the public applauds them applauds them welcomes them celebrates them and literally reinvigorates people's dead careers that have been dead for a decade or more just because of their newfound fetish that is completely against humanity Now, this is what the new normal is. And the hope that we have today is that we try to go back to our roots. We try to go back to what our holy sages have taught us. We try to go back to what our Creator has taught us. And how do we distinguish ourselves from this new normal? Because even though we may not all reach the highest levels of holiness we certainly cannot stay the same and expect the world to see that there's a difference between us and the people that are in essence so strange we have to make as much of an effort to separate ourselves from this new form of normal from this newfound lefty liberal lgbtq mentality and try to at the very least distinguish ourselves by elevating our own private information without necessarily declaring ourselves or having a preference to eat cockroaches or going around round rooms having a preference over white toes versus black toes none of that stuff actually matters but simply elevating ourselves in such a fashion where we are learning about a topic that we can actually apply to our lives in our own privacy in our own way of connecting to our Creator now This Rabutai is the goal of every single one of our lectures, but particularly this series of Jewish intimacy is one that has found many Jewish homes and even non-Jewish homes uh, completely uh, 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 surprised at how amazing our holy Torah is, how extraordinary it is, how open it is as far as the endless amount of information that is very much necessary for every single household out there to apply to their lives in whatever capacity that they can. Certainly there are some people that can do more than others. Certainly there are some people that are willing to do more than others. But needless to say, if a person is just simply going to you know, live in this world, driving on neutral, thinking that this new deranged version of normal is not going to affect them and their kids you have a surprise coming to you the key is to understand what the Gemara in Massechat Sanhedrin in Perik Hailek says that at the end of days before Mashiach comes there are going to be many strange things the uh despicable behavior despicable behavior is what's going to be celebrated uh the uh the the generation is going to be a generation where they're going to have kelev. they're going to have the Uh, type of attitude like a you know unshamed unabashed dog all types of very strange things because if we look at some of the stories and even the pictures of our forefathers or even our grandparents things that things that you can see even with your own eyes you see how modest people were you see how reserved people were even if they acted deviant with with deviant uh, ways they typically did it in their privacy of their homes or some other way they weren't so open about these things and one of the things that i think everyone could truly appreciate from the series is that it's not the typical approach that is scared to mention certain things you know tiptoeing uh, around the uh, the eggshells perhaps trying to walk in between the uh, the raindrops no we're not holding any bars or disclosing everything we're letting you know this is the information r- where regardless of what level you're in whether you're a newbie to torah you're you've already uh, uh, learned torah for at least a decade or more you're to meet you're a rabbi you're male female whatever it is the information is being served to you on a Literally on a silver platter for you to take, for you to consume. Achev says Hashem. Open your mouth and I will fill it with whatever Torah that you want. We're giving you the information on a silver platter so you can take it into your life and see which part of it can you apply now. Which part of it can you perhaps uh, apply later on down the road. But the key is to at least have the information that shows us that yes, there is a way for us to achieve holiness just like Hashem obligated us to do in parashat Kedoshim in the Torah Hashem says tiyu ki you be holy because I am holy and there are multiple times in the Torah including in last week's parasha parashat Yitro, where Hashem obligates us obligates us to do our very best to attain true holiness and of course Rashi explains to us holiness is what comes to how a person treats their intimacy you will never find holiness in a place where there's perversion where there's sexual deviance you will never find holiness in places of immodesty what you will find is holiness where there are guards up where there are reservations where people preserve themselves and are more modest and are more careful about their choices so now all of this is simply the introduction to the introduction why because one of the things that we learned in a different series that we have uh called the uh, jewish ideology uh, i believe it was last week or the week before is that the chazonish that lived in the last century uh he said something almost like in passing i believe that this this was uh, maybe two or three weeks ago he said in his uh that there are certain people that are simply born with a higher level of holiness higher level of intellect higher level of uh you know spiritual elevation they're naturally more modest naturally more humble naturally holier and typically they're born to a certain set of parents that also have these similar traits and many times you see that the dolimba torah the giants of the generation in, in holiness and torah are also sons of the giants of the holiest people of the world of the people of, of the torah but at the same token the mishnah in the sixth chapter tells us that torah is not something that's inherited unlike kinghood unlike Kehuna, priesthood that is inherited you know just because your father is a is a Cohen you are a Cohen because your uh 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 your um uh father is a descendant of King David that means that you're going to be a descendant of King David that's how kinghood works that's how priesthood works but Torah doesn't work that way Torah works in such a fashion where if you want Torah you have to acquire it yourself You have to toil for it yourself. Where even if your father is the biggest rabbi in the world, the biggest genius, the biggest elui of the last couple of centuries, it literally has no impact on you whatsoever as far as your Torah knowledge. If you want to acquire it, you have to toil for it yourself. But yet at the same time, we see that there are children generation after generation for the last several thousand years that are already born with these extraordinary character traits these extraordinary uh, character traits of humility David you know wasn't just a regular boy in a regular family his father Ishai was the and was the Gemara says was one of four people that never sinned and the only reason he died was because of the original sin at the time of Adam Arishon. if it wasn't for that sin that decreed that all mankind has to die at some point with few exceptions that i made which we'll discuss in a moment everyone has to die Ishai didn't make any sins but he had to die because of the original sin meaning that David didn't just come from a regular set of parents Moshe didn't just come from a regular set of parents his father Amram was the Gdolador was a giant among Giants and his mother was the daughter of one of the Shvatim so you see that these people were not normal they were extraordinarily holy and they had holy kids we see the same thing with Avram having Yitzhak Yitzhak having Yaakov Yaakov having the Shvatim we also see with Aaron HaKohen, having four holy kids, even Nadav and a view that were punished by Hashem. Still, the Gemara says they were extraordinarily holy people. We see that even in recent generations, one of the most spectacular examples of this is our own very dear Ravavadya. Avad Yosef Alava Shalom, merited to have something that is even in this world of holiness is an exception of all exceptions where all of his children ended up becoming tamid chachamim his son Rav Yosef is the, one of the gedolei the rishonati sion his other son Rav Yaakov Yosef that passed away he was literally supposed to be the next in line to be the not just the Rishon Etzion, but he was a giant, a giant among giants in, in Torah. Literally, a person that uh, uh, learns a little bit about uh, his life and some of the writings that he has, some of the Torah that he taught. Literally, you're, you're wondering, wait, he lived, he lived twenty years ago, not like five hundred years ago, not a thousand years ago, and yeah. And each one of Avvadja's sons turned out to be a very holy person. So. You see here that this is not just in the past, thousands of years ago. It's also recently. Rav Kanievsky, Shalom, his father was the Stipe Gaon. Rav Kaminetsky, one of the Gdolim here in America, his father was one of the Gdolim Rav Kaminetsky, Rav Yaakov Kaminetsky of the previous generation, Sho So we see here that these extraordinarily holy people somehow transferred their character traits to the next generation the torah that their kids learned certainly they learned on their own you have to acquire that but in order to have that zealousness for torah that commitment for torah the proper character traits that will allow you to become that perfect vessel to learn torah that apparently was gifted to them just like the chazon says happens with some people how does this happen now in this week's parasha parashat Mishpatim we see that the one of the sources we've used in this series as the source of the mitzvah of intimacy between a man and his wife is in this week's parasha where it talks about a, uh, a man should not uh, uh, withhold food or clothing or marital relations from his wife, even if he chooses a second wife, meaning in, in those days where uh, being married to multiple women was, uh, was common, the uh, still a person had to know that if this additional wife was going to cause you to uh, lower the uh, amount of intimacy that your first wife required, then you weren't able to marry her so we see that intimacy is not just a something we do we're not animals it's actually part of the responsibilities and obligations of the holy Torah itself so since we all familiar with this and at the same token we all have seen these giants and torah and holy people how come we can't do that how come we can't just get one of these holy g'dolay to just be born that way? And the answer is, we can. It requires just a little bit of knowledge and some effort, which Bezot HaShem will learn today. Before we go into the Ramban and delve into how this is done, we first have to understand some Prerequisite information about what is a soul. What is a soul? What is a neshama? What is a nefesh, ruach? All of these different things that perhaps we've learned in a kuntres called Tikvat Shani, based on the extraordinary sefer uh, by Rav Yosef Shani Shichye. He's uh, the grandson of the. Uh, one of the Mekubalim from the previous generation. And Rav Shani himself, I've mentioned him in previous lectures. He's also one of the Mikubalim uh, with some of the most extraordinary uh, stories, real-life stories you could ever imagine. And he writes the following. In the first chapter in a uh, section called The Nature and Essence of the Soul, He says that the jewish teachings that teach in regards to the soul as far as the the viewpoint the uh uh, the viewpoint of of mankind how what we can learn from it is that man like all creation was formed with four physical elements four in essence types of energies fire air water and earth however this accounted only for man's corporal structure, his flesh, blood, and bones. What remained lacking was the life force, the spirit which activates the nervous system and derives all physiological functions through which man is transformed from a mere form to a living body which moves, talks, and behaves. At the time of creation, this force, known as the nefesh, was injected into man through attachment To the purest component of his blood a total of 87 grams it is this nefesh which activates his brain and converted him to a living human being and to this very day the genetic makeup of the human sperm encompasses the composite of the elements of fire air and water where when sperm flows with force These elements combine with the component of the soul which keeps them alive, preventing the sperm's demise and eliciting formation of the fetus. However, this cannot be accomplished without the fourth element, which is earth, which is necessary for creating a human body. And this element, earth, exists in the woman's egg, found in the follicle and contains the hormone estrogen. When the male sperm and the female egg unite at a specific temperature, these four elements combine and direct the formation of a fetus and it protects the embryo until it obtains the requisite 87 grams of blood after which the nefesh attaches to it with greater intensity developing the fetus infant child adult and staying with them until death already we see the signs behind the seed from the Torah perspective exact weights exact details but now we're going to go further the nefesh contains spiritual organs and veins parallel to the physical body each spiritual organ is attached to its physical counterpart its functions similarly to electric, to an electrical current generating energy for the entire body and although the soul is located throughout the body it has pivotal bases without which the body could not exist now, there are several such bases for various components and levels of the soul the base for nefesh is the liver For ruach is the heart for the neshama is the brain so we see from here that different terms that are sometimes used interchangeably Uh, By average people, Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama, these are obviously all three different parts of what we would like to call soul. Uh, You know, but in regards to really the soul itself has parts. So the Nefesh actually has a physical location it's the liver. The Ruach has a physical location, which is the heart. And the Neshama has the brain. Now, there are two other parts, which we'll discuss momentarily. a person can attain but here we see also that one thing is that this nefesh it's all over the entire body it's not just in the liver it's stationed there but it has a organs and veins similar to how you sometimes see the graphics that are made on computers you know and you know showing the uh the, the nervous system this in a spiritual sense actually exists and in fact even when a person has has Shalom loses uh, you know uh, uh, loses an arm a leg any type of body part that part that's missing is only missing physically it's not missing spiritually where when that person you know passes away goes up to shamaim that arm that was missing throughout his physical life is still there doesn't get affected now when they're not connected to the physical body the soul is capable of powerful sensations meaning that when your soul leaves your body whether it's through a a uh out of body uh, experience near-death experience dreams uh aliyata neshama which is a person that uh through different Torah teachings can elevate their neshama, take it out of its body, and in so many words, uh, put that neshama wherever he wants, wherever she wants. Uh, But again, there are holy ways to do certain things, and there are impure ways to do certain things. If a person does these things in a holy way, then certainly there is a a lot of uh, gain that could be reached, uh, attained by something like this. Uh, If a person does it in the other way, then uh, the loss was already, uh, uh, you know, from the start. Let's just say that. Now, when the neshama, when the soul is not restricted by the body, it can perceive events that are taking place in any place in the world, thousands of miles away, similar to its creator, like being omnipresent. It could be in multiple places at the same time it may even sense futuristic events the soul comprehends the essence of all spiritual states the soul doesn't speak like we do there is telepathy type of communication people that have discussed their uh, near-death experiences many times they were able to tell people things that their body did not see when their soul left their body traveled above the hospital It saw all types of things, and then when it came back to life, it tells people, oh yeah, I saw that, uh, you know, such and such people were doing my surgery, and he wore this, and he wore that, and she had these shoes, and you guys were talking about this during the surgery, even though I was out, uh, still my soul saw this, there's also, somebody forgot their lunch, or a pair of sneakers on the roof, there was an accident, 400 miles away between a truck that's blue with a dent on the side and a small little vehicle and so on and so forth like literally the souls report to these people when they come back to life they report things that are from all intents and purposes physically impossible so this is just a microcosm of the examples of what the soul's capabilities are but the truth is that the soul can do a lot more than that including seeing the future its union with the body imposes restrictions upon it in accordance with the physical limitations of the body now this spiritual soul activates the body that activates the body is known as the neshama so we have the nefesh and then we have the neshama now due to its highly spiritual nature it cannot be integrated with the physical elements just as water and fire do not merge rather this neshama becomes enveloped in a thin body comprised of the purest components of the human blood and the lowest part of the soul relatively speaking and this body is referred referred to as nefesh meaning that the neshama becomes goes within the nefesh itself if you will and therefore at times the higher level of soul the neshama is also referred to as nefesh. this is why sometimes they're interchangeable as far as the terminology as it says in the uh, creation of adam Arishon in genesis he blew into his nostrils and the shama of life and man became a living nefesh. now this nefesh is transformed into five spiritual components according to different levels nefesh ruach neshama chaya and yechida and these five parts do not enter the person at once but rather on a graduated sequence and not necessarily everyone gets even the majority of them nefesh is the lowest spiritual level which unites the greatest physical components of the body the purest 87 grams of blood The nefesh is is also present in every living creature, including plants and inanimate objects. This is, in essence, what gives people the physical form. This nefesh is what integrates the electrons, protons, and neutrons in atoms, which are the uh, basic particles of matter. Ruach, on the other hand, is the second level of the soul which humans can acquire by elevating their character traits and exercising self-control over such mundane pleasures as excessive food money sex etc however the body and nefesh can exist without this level without ruach and indeed most human beings only possess a level of nefesh But anyone that does have the Ruach is certainly fortunate because they'll have an elevated soul that could comprehend things that others can't. But above the Ruach is the Neshama, which is only accessible to people who demonstrate even higher levels of of self-control and holiness. And this level cannot be acquired without studying our Holy Torah. And as the Neshama enters the body and unites with the Ruach and the Nefesh, it elevates the person to greater appreciation of the secrets of the universe, which are revealed to the Neshama while it's still united with the body. These integrations of the Neshama with Ruach and Ruach with Nefesh occur only when a person is sleeping. And this is the intent that's written in the book of Job my nefesh longs for you at night while the work within me will be aroused so here we see that some of the things we've been learning in the other series is about elevating our character traits developing them becoming better and so on has extraordinary impact on what type of soul level we attain whether more a person perfect perfects their character traits the more parts of their soul they're getting from above. Meaning that it's not too late for anyone, regardless of whether a person is young or old, they could attain more if they develop themselves, if they contain themselves from all of the perversions and and, and things that are uh, forbidden, they could certainly elevate themselves to be above a simple animal that just has a nefesh. They could even get to ruach, and if they elevate themselves to a level of holiness like what we're discussing here in this series hence the reason why it's called Igeret Akodesh, the, the, the letter of holiness they can attain the neshama now this neshama is not the highest level there's also a level called chaya and the chaya is so holy and so elevated that it doesn't actually enter the body rather it envelopes the body as a spiritual cover the the kabbalists call this O makif anyone that's familiar with the uh aura uh and has seen some of the videos we've made we've uh, published in the past or has seen the book uh the uh, the coming revolution or it's also called uh, science comes of age that's part of our key package uh that we sent to many people around the world over the years has pictures of different people uh and it shows there's a special uh, machine that gives a visual illustration of what their aura colors are and you see that there's certain people that had a uh very unique aura colors that uh, symbolize a high very high level of holiness this is in essence similar to what we're talking about this chaya. Not it quite, but again, this will give you some type of image to the words that I'm saying. And even above the Chaya, there's the Yichida. Yichida is the fifth highest level and highest level of the soul. Person that achieves this has achieved a state of enlightenment comparable to the level of Adam Rishon, and such a person can never die. Since death was decreed as a consequence of sin, only a few people throughout all of history had this Chaya, chanoch, the uh, sons, a son of uh, Yered. I know that uh, the uh, Christians like to call him Enoch, and they even believe that they have a book of Enoch, even though the uh, they've uh, destroyed it and added a lot of different things that are not part of the tradition needless to say this is not a book for jews or anybody for to read it's not it has a lot of uh, uh issues with it it's called the book of uh, Um but uh Chanuch is a real character that lived uh before Noach, and says that even though at that time many people were living to be 900 years old 950 years old hashem took Hanokh at a much younger age He was 360 i think it was so this kind of contradicts how how does a hanok never die and then he died That's because he didn't die hashem took him and turned him into malach mentet because he reached such a high level that he attained the highest level of the neshama and he couldn't die so there was no purpose for him to be in the world anymore another person that achieved this was eliawa navi Elijah the prophet one of the reasons why hashem chose Eliyahu and Avi to uh to be the one that uh will announce mashiach when mashiach comes Eliyahu and Avi will come uh as much as three days before mashiach and some say even on the same day as mashiach to announce to the world that mashiach is here meaning that without Eliyahu and Avi announcing to the world that mashiach is here Whoever says he's Mashiach is a fraud. Eliyahu Navi has to come. Now, why does Eliyahu Navi have to come? And what does it have to do with the fact that he never died? Because in order for a Mashiach to become a Mashiach, he has to have somebody make the Mashiach, put the special oil on him, which can only be done by a prophet. Now, we don't have prophecy in the world. So what can we do? Hashem made sure that already took care of it. What? He took Eliyahu Navi from this world and Elia never died and therefore he can come back to the world whenever Hashem decides he wants him to go back into the world and he can make Mashiach what uh because the Mashiach was born a regular person but to become Mashiach he has that uh, the special oil is put on him and then he gets uh the uh superpowers if you will that will finish the job but Eliyahu Hanavi was one of them. But interestingly enough, also we have Serach. Serach bat Asher. Serach, the daughter of Asher, the granddaughter of Yaakov. She's also one of the ten people that never died. So we see here also that this highest level of soul could also be attained by women. Now the soul of an enlightened person is something that a person should at the very least aspire to acquire even if obviously they realize they're not going to become Eliyahu Navi so long as they're normal they realize they won't become Eliyahu Navi still everyone knows that they can elevate themselves to be better and I know that many of Bo Hashem the people that have been watching our lectures over the years you know they contacted us and uh, you know over the years and they sometimes I didn't know who they were and never heard from them for two, three, four years. And they're watching the lectures and doing everything that they possibly can. That they're learning. And then one day they contact us and they tell us, Listen, my life is completely transformed. Where I was and where I am, you wouldn't even recognize it. And it's literally unbelievable stories, one after another. And uh, these people didn't start off extremely holy. Many times they started the exact opposite in the second chapter of Tikvat Shani Rav Shani writes that people who avoid mundane social interaction and trivial pursuits can achieve some significant spiritual Enlightenment to such an extent that they can literally get to a point where they could have their past their hidden past revealed to them or past of others they could even get to a point of a small uh, uh part of prophecy of revealing the future but again, all this through holiness, not through uh, Ouija boards and tarot cards and all types of witchcraft, which this week's parasha says, someone that deals with witchcraft gets a death penalty. So much craft is not allowed. But there is a holy way to being able to see the future, the past. The higher level of people can even reach an elevated soul, even through song. This is actually one of the ways that David HaMelech used psalms, used teilim. He used song to reach the highest level of holiness. This is not like the craziness and ecstasy that people consume and supposedly feel when they go to nightclubs and do all types of uh, uh, drugs. No, we're talking about authentic ecstasy. Through holiness that can elevate the soul. Now this type of elevation, which of course is preceded by a lot of character development, holiness as far as the intimacy, holiness in regards to their behavior on a day-to-day basis, Torah learning and so on. But this higher level soul can get to a point of prophecy, Navua, which is acquiring knowledge of what the creator intends to do hashem gives you insights of what he wants to do with certain things and even visions and at times when a person is in a peaceful state of sleep and inner tranquility his dreams will reveal events which are destined to materialize this i'm sure some of you that are watching have had little parts of this you dreamt of something you thought of something and it happened These are little tidbits little sparks that hashem sometimes hints to a person to give them the motivation inspiration idea go for it try for more get closer to me unfortunately many times people take this the exact opposite way they start thinking oh since i had this dream maybe i'm already a prophet since i had this dream maybe i'm already superior to mankind people should bow to me and they start turning themselves into paro instead of turning themselves into someone holy they become delusional they think that they're the next mashiach every week i get at least one person telling me he's mashiach sometimes she apparently mashiach can be female in some people's eyes anyway the people that have this elevated soul could literally do things that are very different and the underlying basis for this process is that when the soul is in a relaxed state it stimulates brain waves which transcend the present existence and thereby revealing mysteries and personal secrets and this is the meaning of the uh, uh, verse in the Torah it says through a dream will I speak to him but this is not something that happens through normal sleep it's a different type of sleep that the author calls it relaxed sleep but sometimes these dreams one of the reasons why Shlomo says that most dreams are meaningless is because sometimes dreams are inspired by different food that a person consumes and uh that creates certain gases and so on but again sometimes a person will have a dream that will have not only meaning but also even a prediction there's a woman very holy woman that we I I know we know that uh last week Thursday night she had a dream that a six-year-old boy was going to be murdered by a terrorist she was afraid to send our kids to school but You know, I mean, you can't really take every one of these dreams seriously. It'll also drive you crazy. Our kids went to school, in Bauch Hashem, they came back. But unfortunately, for anyone who uh, follows up what's going on in Israel knows that uh, there was a terrorist attack where a couple of young boys were murdered by this evil Arab terrorist in Israel and Jerusalem. Now, these types of things sometimes you can do something about them sometimes you can't but the point being is is that certainly this is not something that uh a person can revolve their life around and certainly don't send me your uh you know please figure out my dream questions I don't figure out people's dreams it's not my thing uh and uh, I always tell people that generally speaking most dreams are nonsensical not because I don't care about them or I don't know about them or anything like that just because simply that's what the Shlomo Melech says that's what the gemara says most people's dreams are completely nonsensical now either way a person needs to know that for your dreams to be of significant value in and and, and, and and holiness your real life has to be too but if your life is full of perversion and heresy then certainly the uh whatever that uh dream you have is pr- usually going to be produced by the actions now after hearing all of this I didn't think it was going to take that much time but it did we already know that obviously some of this is, is very interesting deep there's a lot more to it we're not going to get into now but already all of us that are normal know that some of this stuff is completely beyond us we're not there we're not going to get there fine good why do we read this? Why do we need to know all this? Why do the sages spend so much time detailing the details of all of this in many, many other books? Because there are certain parts of it that are very, very relevant. Perhaps, not the or the Chaya, but the Nefesh Ruach and Neshama certainly are something that a person can attain with enough effort nefesh everyone has so long as you're alive you have it the guach and the shama obviously require a lot more work it requires a person exercising self-control character development eliminating that anger eliminating all of those bad traits also realizing that the Bad traits also lead to physical impairments. The Gemara in Nedarim uh, says that a person that is angry is ruining his body and will have a lot of suffering in his lower part of his body. And on him it's written the curse that Hashem will bring hemorrhoids to a person and all types of intestinal disease. The it uh also teaches the same thing where he says that a person that tends to be angry quickly is ruining and destroying his body specifically the lower half of his body if you have issues instead of going to one doctor after another the best solution that's foolproof is work on your character traits eliminate that anger from your life and of course other flaws now this doesn't take overnight you can't just uh eliminate it just because you want to eliminate it but needless to say there's work to do but yet at the same token in the beginning of the lecture we did say that there are some people that are already born with that neshama everyone has the nefesh some people try get succeed in elevating themselves to the ruach but few get to the nefesh here the Ramban is saying that there are some people that already have it on day one that's also what the Chazonesh was saying there are some unique people that are born with this neshama a person that's angry can never attain this neshama why they're ruining themselves both physically and spiritually the Gemara in Masechet Shabbat says that a person that tends to be angry is like an idol worshiper why because if he's angry all the time he's following the all the time if he's following the yetzara all the time so today the says to him yell this one tomorrow the he's going to tell him to throw this the next day the Yetzirah is going to say take this break break this he's following the Yetzirah day after day one day he's going to tell him Yetzirah tell him to go to church so in order to attain this neshama a person has to obviously work very very hard but yet there are some people that already have it and they have the character traits to match it meaning that they don't tend to be angry instead they tend to be very humble very happy very calm anxiety doesn't exist for them who are these people now I could list a bunch of names to you but that's not going to do anything for you we've listed some of them already whether it's some of the children of Rabovadia the uh his dear father the stipel and these very very holy people yeah but what does it have to do with you what does it have to do with me what does it have to do with us can we get some the answer is yes the last time we had a shiur number 16 of this series the Ramban disclosed the secret of the time of union the time of intimacy there is a ideal time to be intimate on a daily basis and an ideal of ideal time on a weekly basis and the highest level of ideal for Torah scholars on a regular basis intimacy which as we said earlier is called ona it's a mitzvah of ona we'll call it intimacy to make it easy on the ear for everyone that's listening here in english the mitzvah of intimacy ideally if it's on a weekly basis during the week it should be done after chatzot chatzot is the middle of the night there's anyone that has one of these applications on their phone or computers that tells you when Chazot is in your location, because it changes. It's not always midnight. It could be in some places in the in the uh, in the world, you know, as late as one o'clock in the morning at different times of the of the uh, year. Sometimes later, sometimes earlier. So, but either way, give or take, it's around that time frame. That's Chazot. Intimacy during the week should be done after that. It should never be done during the day. It can be done at night before Chatzot, but if you want to reach a level of holiness, it should be done after Chatzot. And that's what the Zohar Kadosh says in Pashat page 81a. It says, Come see a person that desires to be holy in accordance with the will of the Creator. You should not use the daily Chatzot. Only for intimacy. As the Talmud Chacham's time to learn Torah is at that time, of after Chatzot. Uniting the lower and upper worlds. But Shabbat Chatzot is ideal for Onah, For the Talmud Chacham. Why? So we see here The Zohar tells us, first and foremost, Chatzot is the ideal time for the mitzvah between a man and his wife, for the average person out there. Now, there's a higher level of intimacy, which we learned last time, which is Shabbat, to be intimate on Shabbat. An even higher level of spiritual elevation is on Shabbat, after chatzot, meaning Friday night at midnight so Shabbat it's you know middle of the night that's the ideal time and the highest level is for a person to only be intimate with his wife during the obligatory times which is the night of the mikveh if he uh, the day before he uh, travels or when he comes back from a trip and That Shabbat. Many Chachamim say that in this generation, even Talmidei Chachamim should be together with their wives at least twice a week. But the point being is, is that we see from here that Talmidei Chachamim, Torah scholars, preserve themselves for this ideal time. Now the average person can also preserve themselves, not necessarily for once a week, but they could do their their, their uh, private acts in the middle of the night during the week that already elevates them as the Zohar says if they want to elevate even further also do it on shabbat of course assuming that your wife is pure and you're allowed to be together and so on it's not during the time that she's uh, and so on but again there is a another elevation for the intimate act to be on shabbat if you want to elevate it even further on shabbat after midnight now for those Torah scholars which is who the Ramban is talking to here he says there is not only a reason and a purpose behind preserving yourself for that specific hour of Shabbat and only on that day other than the times are obligated but there's an extraordinary Benefit to doing so. And the Ramban. For anyone who knows a little bit about him. Nachmanides. He was not only. A commentator on the entire Torah. Any pasuk, Any verse in the Torah that you read. You'll always find the Ramban. Discussing it. He was a Dayan. He was a Posek. Two are not necessarily always the same, meaning that a person can be a Posek but not a Dayan, a Dayan but not a Posek. A Dayan is one that gives rulings, a Posek is one that establishes the rules based on the existing law. In addition, he was also a doctor. He also was a scholar of world worldly knowledge but one of the way one of the things that we discovered here in his teachings of the Kodesh is that the ramban was one of the greatest kabbalists that ever existed he was a great mekubal which means that he knew the deeper source and meaning for every single act that a person can do and does in accordance to the Kabbalistic teachings of the Torah and he is the one that's telling us here that the mitzvah of onaah for Talmidei Chachamim for Torah scholars should be from Shabbat to Shabbat meaning only on Shabbat and he writes as follows the reason that it's from Shabbat night to Shabbat night is because the Shabbat is the foundation of the world and similar to the world of souls as it is written in Exodus chapter 20 verse 10 a Shabbat of Hashem a Shabbat of the Lord now this is what our sages referred to regarding the season of scholars meaning the time for scholars being together as being Shabbat night so that their intention will be to the intellectual part of the soul thereby bringing forth a form appropriate for the service of God one which possesses an intellectual and superior pure soul as they said in exodus 31 17 on the seventh day he ceased from work and was refreshed the the word refreshed some people translate to rested that word is vainafash. which comes from the source of the word nefesh, nefesh is the soul so to explain what I just said the Ramban is saying so far that the reason why Shabbat is a unique time is because it's a unique day not because it's just a day that we rest it's a day that Hashem obviously clearly shows he prefers but rather that this Shabbat is the foundation of this world, and the Zohar Kadosh compares the Shabbat to the tzaddik, just like it says in the uh, Proverbs chapter ten verse twenty-five, Shlomo HaMelech says tzaddik yesod olam, that the tzaddik, the righteous person, is the foundation of the world. The Zohar Kadosh also says that Shabbat is the source of the world. What does it mean, source of the world? that they give the spiritual strength for the world to continue existing as the holy books explain that while the world continues to accumulate more sins more things more acts that go against the creator which in essence negate their reason for existence because if you are operating against what's giving you source of life you're in essence killing yourself even if you don't realize it a person can be drinking a cup of some liquid and he may find it tasty now little does he know that there's poison in this drink and the more he drinks the more likely that this poison is going to kill him now he drinks and he's uh-huh, it's happy why wow, this is really good it's like uh mcdonald's coca-cola and he drinks ah uh-huh, ha. Uh-huh. And little by little he gets he doesn't realize that his foot doesn't move anymore. And the next thing you know, the other foot doesn't move anymore. But he likes to drink so much he keeps drinking. His leg doesn't move anymore. And other body parts start to fail. Now, if he's stupid, he's gonna continue drinking. But if he wakes up, he realizes okay, stop drinking. This is the first act. Second act is how do I undo this? Hashem already had a built-in system to undo this. Because of course, Hashem knows His creation. He knows that people are not going to do chuba, They're not going to repent every week for all the sins that they did during that week. So Hashem created the Shabbat. And the Shabbat, along with the tzaddik, with the righteous people, their acts each week in essence revitalize the world after the world accumulates a certain amount of sins that fill up the cup and fill up the cup and fill up the cup shabbat arrives the acts all the good deeds of the righteous people come and sh- take it down and give us more room to breathe more time it doesn't eliminate the seat the, the the sins each one of those people is going to have to pay for those sins unless they do tshuva but we all of a sudden have more room imagine this is let's say for example one cup the cup was filled is 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 filled up to the top with sins now Shabbat arrives the good acts of the tzaddik arrive and all of a sudden the, the cup becomes longer so there's more room there's more air in the cup now separating the sins from the top so it doesn't overflow. Now another week comes and there's more sins come up. Shabbat comes up, the good deeds of the righteous come up, and sh- the cup separates again even further. So this Shabbat is the source, the foundation of the world. And in fact, the Ramban then says to us that the reason why Hashem said Shabbat is for Hashem is because this is when Akadosh Baruch Hu took himself from the world of Asiyah, the world that we live in, to the highest levels of the world, the upper worlds and with whoever observes the Shabbat also elevates themselves and there are certain things that come from that and the reason why the time for the scholars for the Torah scholars to be intimate with their wives is Shabbat night is so that their intellectual soul what we talked about in the chazonish lecture last night or two nights ago will be elevated during the act and now have the ability to produce something that they cannot produce at any other time an intellectual superior and pure soul a new soul what does it mean a new soul everyone knows or at least if they're not a beginner that all of am israel all of mankind came from adam Arishon. all of the original souls were at Adam HaRishon. now Adam HaRishon reproduced Cain killed Abel then he had Shet and so on the world reproduced populated got to the generation of Noah they became horrific despite getting a perfect world perfect weather perfect sustenance perfect everything instead of serving Hashem they started doing everything the opposite Hashem saw that the sins of mankind got so great that they lost the right to live he destroyed the world and only left Noach and his family so now the world had to restart from Noach and his sons and their wives the world repopulated again. Eventually, we had Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. That's where Judaism begins, and the seed of Avram begins the nation of Israel. Judaism officially begins as a religion on Mount Sinai, where at Mount Sinai, all of the souls of the Jewish people are present there. And the Zohar Qaddah says, even the souls of the con- converts were there. These converts came from from a spiritual end. Physical end, we know there are certain converts that were bad converts, the certain converts that will come later on. But we're talking about the spiritual end of it, they came from the seed of Avraham also. During all of those years that Avraham was together with Sarah, but they were not able to produce a child. All of the, the these holy acts of Avraham still produced holiness and all of the righteous souls turn out to be the converts that are still coming to this world to this day hence the reason why someone that converts today calls themselves the son or daughter of Avram, son or daughter of Sarah because you really are from the seed of Abraham in Sarah so now all of those souls are in Mount Sinai now those souls many of them sinned and because of that they had to reincarnate and come back into the world to fix what they didn't achieve the first time unless they ruined themselves enough like Korach and the Tandra, Aviram and others that they lost their share of the world to come and they're in genome forever others were able to reincarnate get going into a uh, Gilgul after a certain type of punishment whether it be Om, Kafakela, and so on Hashem brought them back in the world and gave them another chance the overwhelming majority of people in the world today and by overwhelming majority I mean 99.9999 percent of people in the world today are reincarnations of people that lived in previous generations both Jewish and non-Jewish people which means that the person that was already here multiple times that obviously is returning because they're making certain mistakes certain sins not big enough to destroy their neshama forever but not small enough where they're you know they're eliminated uh, in, in in hell they have to come back here now but that means that that soul is not new it's a old punished soul that's what rabbi Chaim vital calls it and that soul is coming with those same natures that it had in the previous life meaning if it was angry if it was stingy if it was a uh, arrogant if whatever if it was uh, lazy whatever it was in a previous life that's what it is here again and the job the goal the purpose is to overcome all of that and elevate itself so it doesn't have to come back here again so each one of the people that's born into the world today and all you see that this kid even though his brother his twin brother looks exactly just like him his brother is really generous and he's really stingy his brother is really uh you know humble and he is like the most arrogant person in the world and so on and so forth and you see this in kids you see that they can literally be born out of the same seed but yet have completely different personalities completely different natures needless to say different age groups and different families but the point being is is that when you are bringing a child to the world generally speaking you're bringing an old soul back into the world now as a side note Rabbi hu writes in minchat yehuda Never name your children after wicked people. Because when you name your kids after wicked people, you're increasing the likelihood that your child will actually be the soul of that wicked person. Which is actually what happened to Rabi himself and a few other family members where he writes this really heartbreaking experience that caused that happened to him there was a certain wicked person in the family that died one year and as a form of honor for the family anyone that had a child that year named it after this person the beauty says every one of those babies died at the Brit Milah. Every one of them. And after I saw him. He said after he saw his own kid die. You know he had all questions. And he saw this is obviously not just a happenstance. He got. He had a dream with this wicked person. Family member. Came to him in a dream. And he saw in a dream of how this. Wicked person entered. The body of one of the babies and because he was wicked and deserved a death penalty for some act that he did while he was alive the death penalty was given on the baby so when this wicked person came back to rabbi daftaya in a dream a year later asking him to name his you know his, his uh upcoming baby after him also rabbi says i'll never do it and i'll make sure that no one ever does it and of course there was a argument between the two but of course rabbi Deftayah writes a specific warning never name your children after wicked people and wicked according to the Torah not according to your logic or your family preference or other things according to the Torah meaning if you have a family member that did not observe Torah and mitzvot don't name anybody after him if you have a family member in your that that is not Torah observant does not follow God a person that's an atheist a person that's an idol worshiper a person that's an immoral adulterer thief uh people like that never name your kids after those people why because that person he might have to be reincarnated and if you're naming after him you're making that body in essence a perfect vessel for him and whatever punishment that person is supposed to get could be a shemishmo and you're just bringing a heartache to your life I know many people. Have this tradition of naming their kids after people that die without any care in the world of whether this person that died in their family is a righteous person or not, there's a very big mistake. Now, moving back on to what we we're talking about in regards to these special souls versus these punished souls, which is the majority of the world, the Ramban is telling us here is that sure, if you are going to be intimate in an elevated holy way during the week you're going to bring one of these souls and it may not necessarily be the worst person in the world it may be just a person that is has to fix one thing five things a hundred things but it doesn't mean that this is a wicked soul it just means that this soul was not good enough to remain in heaven to be in heaven it had to come back to this world which means it is also coming with its own baggage, its own predisposition, its own flaws that it had in the previous life. If in a previous life, it had all types of devious thought processes, all types of deluded mindsets, desires, and things of that nature, then it's coming to the world with the same thing. That could make the parent's life very difficult to say it uh, to say at least the least if you want to avoid that and bring what's called a new soul new brand new out of the box be one of those zero zero one percent part of that microcosm that brings those brand new souls brand new souls meaning they're highly elevated holy souls they're souls that are already superior to everybody else at birth have a purity level that's in line with the very righteous intellectual abilities that are above and beyond the norm the ramban says this is why the time for Torah scholars is Shabbat because since Shabbat is the foundation of the world and since the tzaddik is also the foundation of the world and since Hashem himself said that on the seventh day he ceased from work comes from the world nefesh it says you want to get that nefesh that third highest level shabbat after chatzot, that's the time to get it that's the time to get the new souls if you want to pull down the holiest souls possible from the heavenly roots the only time to do so is Shabbat after Chatzot. That's when it's time to do it. Meaning that there's not only just great, good, wonderful that day. No, no, no. If a person achieves what they want to achieve on Shabbat, they could literally bring into the world the next Gdolado, even if they themselves are not a Gdolado they could bring into the world a very very special brand new soul that doesn't come with a baggage of problems a baggage of sins a baggage of horrible traits or even just a few you're bringing somebody unique and all of those stories that some of us have heard about the great sages while they were children of how the they knew the entire Torah by the time they were six and how they uh, wrote already books by the time they were nine or eight and how they all these amazing things that's because they were born special souls not all of them but many of them were born special high-level souls so the ramban says this is the intention concerning the season for scholars meaning the time for intimacy for scholars Understand this well. Now, anytime somebody makes a point, but yet after he makes the point, he adds a few extra words, says, Understand this well. Aven meod. Well, you already explained it. Why are you saying understand this well? The Ramban is saying, Delve into what I just taught you even further on your own and you'll actually even understand further than what i explained there are certain things that you yourself are expected to understand on your own if you delve into it even deeper they did not select the days of physicality that being the weekdays the days of material activity but rather the shabbat which is totally spiritual and is the world of souls understand this and it will be good for you here the Ramban again repeats the same thing but elaborates further and he tells us the sages taught us that intimacy certainly is something that can elevate a person to a higher level the highest level of serving a kid who could be attained through the intimacy if done the right way at the right time. If someone is an average person, certainly they could elevate themselves to a certain point by simply choosing not to be an animal and do it in public, not to be an animal and do it with someone that's not their wife or husband, not to be an animal and do it in a very provocative, horrible way. Certainly this everybody understands this. They can elevate themselves even further by doing it at a specific time during the week, and they could elevate themselves even further by doing it also on Shabbat. But if they are a Torah scholar or they have the ambition of becoming a Torah scholar, then certainly they could learn a lot more from this. Where they can say that there's a additional benefit from this self-preservation, a benefit unlike any other, something no other part of the Torah offers, at least not that I'm familiar with. No one tells you if you observe Shabbat, your kid could be a brand new soul. Certainly there are certain zgulot and certain things you can do to have righteous kids, to have kids that are the chachamim. If you give kavod to chachamim, if you sponsor a lot of Torah and you make Torah your number one investment in your life and you invest into chachamim and so on, certainly you merit to have chachamim as kids. But again, a gdol ador, a new neshama, this is the only thing I've ever heard of that does it if you find something else please let me know but here the Ramban uncovers an extraordinary secret a secret that literally anybody can do if they want it bad enough we well, says that this special season this special time for the Torah scholars was specifically chosen to be Shabbat and not the weekday because the weekday is the time of physicality where Shabbat is spirituality Shabbat is the foundation of the world. Shabbat is the time where HaKadosh Buhu elevates himself to the highest level. Shabbat is the time where you're able, you have an open door policy for these special souls that come down into this world that are brand new souls that no other time of the year or or, 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 or week has the ability to get it. And the more you delve into this, the more it will be good for you, he says. Now, of course, this is only relevant to be preserve yourself for only once a week, and other times that are obligated is only relevant if the person's mind is clean. If he's watching pornography or looking at all types of perversions throughout the whole week, he's just not intimate with his wife the whole week. This is not gonna work. And in fact, even if he's constantly lusting after his own wife which could cause him to waste seed intentionally or unintentionally also this is not the right fit he's not at the level to do this yet you can't just decide tomorrow to do all of this the point is is to realize that the torah is not something you acquire in one step but it's certainly something that you could acquire more and more of of, over time and the benefits gradually increase and the Zohar Kadosh that told us in Parashat Doshim come see the person that desires to be holy in accordance to the will of the creator of how he should not use the daily chatzot, the time of chatzot, only for intimacy because if he's a torah scholar he should use that time to learn torah and preserve himself for Shabbat why would I preserve myself for Shabbat says the Zohar Kadosh because that's the time to bring those new neshamot. those are a few words I didn't add before why, why do the Torah scholars wait for that Shabbat? Why do I need to preserve myself? Okay, it's great, learning Torah the whole week, fine, fantastic, but what's, what do I get out of it? Not that you're supposed to do something for Hashem because you get something out of it, but that's, again, what do I get out of it? Zohar Kedush says, that Friday night, that's when the new souls come. If you're there, this new soul is going to come. You're going to get one of those new souls. You're going to bring it to the world. You're going to have a special neshama come into your life that's literally going to light the world up. Rabbi Chaim Vital, the Talmud, of the Arizal, comments on this and says these new neshamot come down to this world on Shabbat Eve. And if one was intimate and impregnated his wife on that night, I am sure that that new soul, that that new neshama will settle upon that seed. And since it's a new soul rather than a punished soul that needs a reincarnation, that needs a gilgul, on them it said... They will be holy, chasidim boys that come down on Shabbat Eve. He says, Who are these souls? These are the holy tzaddikim, these are the holy chasidim. Not chasidim like we know today. These are many chasidim people that are extraordinarily righteous above and beyond the norm, even the norm of the righteous. Rabbi Chaim Vital says, For those that preserve themselves, there's a reward in this world for that. Now the Rosh, asher comments on Masekhid Babakama in the seventh, chapter, uh, seventh section, seventh chapter, the uh, 19th section regarding intimacy on Shabbat. And he says as a hint about the advantages of having of, of the, for the Jewish people to have intimacy on Shabbat. In the verse, Visham Israel Shabbat. That Am Israel observed the Shabbat, he says, if you notice, Bne Israel et Ashabbat, the first letter, bnei Israel, the first letter, bnei is Bet, Israel is Yud, et is Alif, Ashabbat is Hey. They spell Bia, intimacy. Meaning that if You will preserve your intimacy for it to be on Shabbat, you'll get that Nunna Shema. In the Sefer priets Chaim, in Shal Kriyat Shema, Alamita, in Perek Yud Aleph 11, Rabbi Chaim Vital says that he learned from the Arizal something very critical that we haven't mentioned until now that the result taught him that this whole thing of preserving yourself only for shabbat as far as intimacy preservation is only if a person is trying to bring a new child to the world Because it's not relevant for a woman that's already pregnant or a woman that's nursing and cannot get pregnant at this time. So it won't affect her. She's not gonna get a brand new soul if she's already pregnant or she just had a baby, not able, and so on. So there's no need to do this only once a week if it's not possible for her to get pregnant. But the Benishkai comments on this Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Chaim Vital. And he says although you can certainly rely on what rabbi Chaim vital said that he learned from nariza and you don't have to preserve yourself for only shabbat if you're a torah scholar if your wife can't get pregnant there is still a benefit in doing it says the benishai because of the spiritual level that the that is generated at that time even if your wife cannot get pregnant because of course as we know Avram Avinu wasn't able to impregnate his wife for all of those years. But yet, all of those, those souls that were created ended up being the holy souls of the converts. So, we see from here that a person can make the same amount of effort as Rabbi Ephraim says same effort and get one of two sacks same effort and get a sack full of gold and diamonds or same effort and get a sack of sand same effort same relationship same act which one do you want now yes you're gonna say no. It's not really the same effort here. I'm doing this, 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 and this, and over there, I'm barely doing this. Yes, you're right. But at the end of the day, it's the same effort, and a person shouldn't jump from zero to a hundred percent overnight without obviously having their spouse agree and their spouse go along with them, even in regards to the timing. There was somebody that told me uh, just uh, recently that their spouse wasn't happy about was happy about everything else in regards to what's being taught except that after chatzot, being the ideal time why because they wake up really early in the morning they want to go pray and if they are together after the middle of the night it screws up their schedule okay if it's so difficult to be after chatzot and shabbat At the very least, still do it on Shabbat at night. doesn't have to be after chatzot. Now, don't expect the highest level of success and reward and so on for something that's not quite the highest level, but it's certainly better than nothing. It's certainly better than the rest of the week. And sometimes that's what we have to realize, that we can't just jump for the top prize on day one. We're not ready for it yet. We can't just go from you know a a a a nefesh to a neshama in one day, but that doesn't mean that you should just completely ignore it because it's not attainable for you now. Because anyone that's acquired anything of value in their life, anyone that has achieved anything of value in their life, knows that it takes time to acquire anything that's valuable. Needless to say, something that is valuable forever. It takes time it doesn't take one effort it doesn't take one opportunity it takes time and a lot of preparation so if the only thing you can do right now is make the exception of only being together after Chatzot during the week that's a great start maybe one day you'll be able to also do also on Shabbat after Chatzot. and little by little a person can gradually increase But for some people, none of this is relevant because they are in the place of what we talked about in the very early part of this year. They're still dealing with a perverted mind. They're still dealing with wasting seed and watching pornography and people coming out of the closet or dying in the closet and all types of other craziness. Well, you can still learn from this. You can learn from this, number one, those, that mindset that you had that's causing you to sin or desiring to sin it's not a new thing it's the reason why you're in this world in the first place to overcome those desires you're not a new soul you're one of the souls that reincarnated because you screwed up in the past and guess what if you don't fix yourself you're not going to heaven you may end up having to come back here again but if you run out of time and the Mashiach comes before that there is no coming back again the outcome is much worse the reason why you're having these difficulties is because of the actions that are that you're doing and the reason why you came to this world is because of those very same things and it's not the fault of your parents. It's not even the fault of your upbringing. It's what you did to yourself in the previous life, but what you could also fix in your current life. Never lose hope, never give up. Everyone can get better. Don't believe the people that tell you, oh, you're a sinner. Everyone's a sinner. You can fix yourself. It's society's fault. It's your parents' fault. It's the media's fault. No, no, no. It's your fault. You are a creation of God. You can overcome the obstacles that God put in front of you. Because God is not going to put an obstacle in front of you that you cannot overcome. Defeat defeats the purpose. If he wants to punish you, this world is not designed for punishment this, this this world is designed for tests punishment there are other places for that Genom, kafakela, kevel, other specially designated places for punishment he's not bringing you this world to, to punish you you're here to be tested you pass the test you get to a bigger level you pass a level collect 200 bucks at the start but while well, kidding aside don't believe the Louis Farrakhan's of the world that tell their members, their followers, their victims, oh, it's the media's fault, oh, it's the leadership's fault, oh, it's the Jewish people's fault, oh, it's uh, so-and-so's fault that you are sinners, that you are perverted, that you are criminals, that you are this, that you are that, no, 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 it's your fault, you did this to you, and you can fix you. Don't victimize yourself and don't let anybody victimize you. You are a creation of God that can elevate itself to the highest possible levels of prophecy. As Eliyahu Navi himself says in Tanadeve Eliyahu, the very same person, the very same prophet that we learn today is one of the people one of the few people that never died that got to the highest level of soul he himself said that whether man or woman young or old jew or gentile everyone can elevate their soul to the level of attaining Ruach HaKodesh, and even prophecy if their actions were appropriate in accordance to what they want to attain meaning that regardless of how many of your hands are tied behind your back when you were born into a bad neighborhood into the projects and you're this and you're that all of those excuses are not going to help you at the bed of Heaven you can't go up to shabbat and say listen God I know I was a gangster and I sold some dope on the side and I murdered a couple of people but come on I, I live there what could i do what can you do elevate yourself like many others before you did yeah but louis farrakhan told me that you know it's the media's fault and the jewish people's fault and then then hollywood's fault and guess what it's none of their fault if anybody's fault it's farrakhan's fault it's leaders like him's fault that are literally turning you into a victim that believes that he is never going to change because he's incapable of changing and they have literally diagnosed you with a disease that's incurable because it doesn't exist but you believe that it exists and you believe that it's incurable and you believe that everyone has to suffer the consequence because of that anyone that tells you you were born this way you cannot change Is no different than an atheist that's telling you that everything came from nothing. Because God didn't put you in this world to stay the same. He put you in this world and even made sure that you watch this segment of the lecture to remind you that He created you with an ability to elevate yourself. To much greater levels than you can possibly imagine yourself today. Now, it's not gonna be overnight, and it's not gonna be like a draft pick to major sports where one day you become rich. No. It's more like a career that starts in the mailroom, making minimum wage or less, and little by little, doing your job right showing up early leaving late putting the effort making the sacrifices and building yourself on a spiritual aspect in your servitude of God eliminating all of the deterrents eliminating all of the degenerates eliminate all of the lies and the liars eliminating all of the things that are holding back from getting you a smoother road to a higher level of spirituality and connection with the one and only God and his truth of Torah and year after year you will find yourself higher than you were the year before with enough patience and dedication you can achieve something very special and even more you can have a family a very special people and even more You could have descendants that are very very special people all with one common belief aside from the torah the one true god but the common belief that you can do more no matter where you started no matter what your color is no matter what people say or think no matter what your predisposition and inclinations are even if you have the worst inclinations and desires in the world you could elevate yourself you could elevate yourself to such a point where one day you could be considered one of the holiest people in the generation one of the torah scholars that are the doleado the leaders of the generations, the top servants of God. And guess what? That'll be something. That the people that are watching this will at the very least believe that they can do it. And bezat Hashem they'll have success if they do it called tov we'll speak tomorrow different sure different topics anyone that wants to support all of the things that we do at the organization you can go to bhtorah.org or bezratashem.org or you can donate on YouTube Facebook and all of the other wonderful places or more important than everything else Share these lectures because they could certainly help more people. Thank you very much for learning with me. May Hashem bless each and every single one of you.